What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint and your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, evangelization, catechesis, relationship advice, apologetics, and the list can go on. And then I will sit with your questions, pray with them, uh, study and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint and you walk toward eternity. But here's my disclaimer. I am not perfect. I am not infallible. And so every now and then the advice that I share with you might not actually be good for you. Um, therefore, if my advice is not helpful for you, I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in virtue, that does not help you to become a saint. However, if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into Jesus, and prayer, and scripture, and the sacraments, so our God can give you the graces you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you are a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can uh, give me comments and critiques there as well. You can also rate us and review us on any podcast formats, but especially on iTunes. This helps other people to find out about the show. If this show is helpful for you, potentially it could become a gift for other people as well. And you can share the show, the podcast, on your social media outlets, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Again, this helps other people to find out about the show. Um, if you want to stay connected with me, you can uh, join me for worship every Sunday at 7 o'clock a.m. Central, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time on Ascension's Facebook page. You can also uh, read my books I've written through Ascension Press. Uh, they are Broken and Blessed and Pocket Guide to Adoration. And, uh, or you could just go to Adoration and, uh, and pray with Jesus because as long as we are connected in the Eucharist, we're always connected with each other. On today's show, we are going to talk about uh, raising saints. How do we raise our kids to become saints? That's, that's super important because that's what we were created for. No other reason. God wants us to be saints. Also, how do we accept death? Like we're all going to die one day. Um, how do we come to a place where we can accept death? And also, finally, using the Lord's name in vain. Uh, this is something that we see on a lot of TV shows, in the movies, uh, we hear it in music and in conversations, and it's not okay. It's actually pretty bad. So those would be the three topics for the day. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. glory story is this. So this morning I woke up pretty early. I woke up at like mm, 3.30 and I've been typically waking up around four o'clock lately because I've been working out and praying earlier in the morning. But uh, but today it was 3.30 and it, I think it was because of what I ate last night. But um, that's another story. So I wake up pretty early and um, I do my whole morning routine. And then this morning, like, and, and I talk to Jesus 
all morning, like even before I step in the chapel, I'm just talking to Jesus. And so I was in the bathroom taking my shower and having a conversation with Jesus about the rosary <laughs> and just about like how powerful the rosary is and uh, how conversions take place when we pray the rosary and dedicate our lives to that, that specific prayer that Mary always asks us to pray when she appeared in Africa. Uh, Our Lady Cabello asked us to pray the rosary when she appeared in Lourdes and in, 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 in Fatima. She asked us to pray the rosary. So over and over again, our Blessed Mother is always inviting us to pray the rosary. So Jesus and I, Jesus and I were talking about that this morning. Like, man, like the, the rosary is such a great gift. And as we're having this conversation, like literally like I'm talking and I could talk too when it comes to the Lord. Uh, and I'm just talking his ear off and I look up and I see a bug in my shower. And it's like one of those like small little bugs. And look, I'm pretty clean. So, you know, I, I'm not really um, cool with bugs. And, and it's just funny how my life is like a musical. And so I immediately go from talking to Jesus about the rosary to seeing this bug to breaking out in a song. <laughs> Because the bug was like really high. And I said, uh, how did you get here? Nobody's supposed to be here. <clears throat> and I was like, and, and, and it literally just came out. Like I didn't plan on singing that song. So shout out to Deborah Cox. But it like literally just came out, that song. And I started singing to this bug. And I was like, you ain't supposed to be in here right now, bro. Like this is me in Jesus' time. But it was so cool how, how prayer works. because. And then I just perceived the Holy Spirit invite me to pray with those words. How did you get here? Nobody's supposed to be here. And I was reminded as I was meditating on those words, like talking to Jesus about those words, uh, about how much I love to go into churches or chapels when nobody's there. Like I just have this thing where I love to pray by myself. And, and granted, like the best thing ever would be for everybody to spend time in chapels because Jesus is there in the Eucharist. But uh, if I'm honest with you, I just, I really do love to be by myself whenever I pray. And uh, and then as I was like reflecting on all those experiences I've had when I've traveled across the, the, the world, really, of finding an empty chapel or church and just being alone with Jesus. And of course, the angels and saints are there as well, but like, but I can't see them. And so uh, I was reminded that my new associate pastor, he likes to pray at night. Like he prays at night. And I'm a, I'm a morning prayer person. And I was like, oh, Jesus, like he's sleeping right now. Like I got time for, for you, you and me to go be together. And so I ran. I just, I mean, I literally like went from like taking all day long, you know, just going over and over again and did these different conversations with the Lord to running out of the bathroom to go be with Jesus in the chapel. And it was great. So the Lord draws us through all things, um, even uh, Bugs and and even Deborah Cox's song. How did you get here? Nobody's supposed to. <laughs> okay, uh, man. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to drink my coffee right now. <laughs> all right. And again, before we get into our questions, I got feedback today from Valentina. Valentina writes this, hey, Father Josh, I love your podcast. They help me grow my faith and shed light to some many questions on everyday dilemmas. God bless you always for the work that you do. I also love your singing and references to music. Thank you, well, Valentina. I'm grateful that you love my singing because I, I, loved, I love to sing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, praise Jesus Christ. Okay, let's get into today's show. 
man, this coffee is so good to me right now. Wow. It's the little things, Jesus. It's the little things, Lord. All right, first question comes in from Liv. Hi, Father Josh. First, I love the podcast. It's just an absolute wealth of knowledge. And I love that your answers almost always involve some form of prey on it. So true. We need to be in constant communication with our Lord. Second, how do I raise a saint? I completed RCIA and had my first reconciliation. Ah, praise Jesus Christ. Holy communion and confirmation this past spring. I grew up in an atheist household and and I was an atheist for most of my life. So I have no idea how to be a model of faith to my daughter and future children if I'm blessed with more. I have many friends and family members who are following away Catholics, and I don't want that for my children's future. So how do I raise a saint? I started asking my pals, St. Zelie and Louis Martin, to pray for me. Uh, that's For those of you who don't know, that's St. Therese's parents. Uh, thanks again for all that you do. Your friend, Liv. Liv, that's a great, great question. And so, I mean, I think that that could be a whole book. And so I'm just going to share with you a little bit of my time of praying with this question. The first image that came to me in prayer was your role as a parent, the witness. Um, St. Pope Paul VI says that the world today no longer listens to teachers. The world today listens to witnesses. And if, in fact, the world will listen to a teacher, it's because that teacher was first and foremost a witness. A witness. And as I was like sitting with that, that quote from Pope Paul VI, I was reminded of the witness of St. John Paul II's dad. St. John Paul II grew up in in Poland. His mom died when he was a very small child. His sister died. His brother died. And it was just he and his father. And they lived on top of a, a store. I was able to visit this, this place a year ago with Jeff Cavins. And, um, and it was a living room, a bedroom, and a kitchen. And the bedroom was a very small bedroom with two small beds. And John Paul slept in one bed and his dad slept in the other bed. And every morning he would wake up and he would witness his dad on the Pradu, on the kneeler, um, on his knees, praying the rosary or reading scripture or praying. Um, and I mean, it was always prayer. And, and he said, I, I growing up with his dad, that was his first experience of seminary formation because his father, this lay person, uh, was a witness to a relationship with Jesus and seeing his dad's relationship with Jesus inspired him. And so while I'm not advocating that you downsize and, and you know sleep in the same room as your kids, what I am advocating is, is that you, you pray, that you cultivate your relationship with Jesus Christ, and that you make sure that your children see that prayer and time with Jesus is the priority for you in your walk toward eternity. This means that you pray before meals. This means that occasionally you pray out loud while you're driving in the car. This means that you have a routine. So if your kids wake up, they know mom's in prayer from this time to that time. Or if you pray at night, mom's in prayer from this time to that time. Uh, so that they witness you praying, that they witness you cultivating your relationship with Jesus through the rosary, through scripture, through visits to the adoration chapel, through music through sitting in silence, whatever your, your way of encountering God is, be a witness to that. I look at the Holy Family. I look at someone like St. Joseph. And again, he was a witness. We have no recorded words of St. Joseph in the sacred scripture. Like I love saint quotes. I love to like talk about this saint said that and this and that saint said this, but we don't know what Joseph said. 
but we do know how he lived. He was a witness. He was a man who the scriptures tell us was a just man and a righteous man. And according to the Old Testament, a just and a righteous man is the, is the man who is rooted in the word of God, who knows the scriptures. And so he was that witness of, of prayer, certainly in his household. Uh, and we know he knew the Lord because when the angel appeared to him, he, he was able to discern that that was God's voice immediately because he spent so much time with God. So the first thing I think is for you to be a witness yourself of the interior life, of your relationship with Jesus. As a couple, I would encourage you with your, with your husband um, to not fight um, in front of your kids. Uh, you can have a disagreement in front of them so that, that way they can see how to have a healthy disagreement. But to not fight, to not curse, to not scream, to not badmouth them. I have um, some parishioners here at Holy Rosary, a, a lovely family, uh, whose parents are just amazing. Um, they have, they have um, gosh, they were just a holy couple, a holy couple. And I remember whenever their mother passed away, um, one of the daughters came to me and she said, you know, I, re I remember when I first got married, she said, I was struggling so much because I kept having arguments with my husband and I thought something was wrong with us. And so I went to my mom and I said, mom, uh, mom, well, I, I'm not like, I don't know if I'm called a marriage because like we, we fight all the time. And, and the mom said, what are you talking about? She said, well, you and dad never fought. And the mom said, oh, you and my, my, your father and I, we fought all the time. She said, but we never fought in front of you because it wasn't your business to see us argue. She said, so we would go in the bedroom and have discussions. Uh, and I thought that was very beautiful that, that they, the kids, grew up thinking their parents never had any even disagreements because the kids never heard their parents badmouth each other, curse, scream, get loud, um, or fight. Though they did have arguments, they just did it behind closed doors. So I would say, don't share too much with your kids about about your your disagreements with your spouse. Um, it's okay to have them um, dialogues, debates, but do so in a charitable way. And um, if you're going to argue, which you might, <laughs> uh, go behind closed doors. Um, as a family, make Sunday special. Make Sunday special. Prioritize mass prioritize worship of God, uh, maybe have screen-free Sundays where you will put away all the iPhones, all the technology, turn off the computer screens, turn off the TV, and you will like spend intentional time cultivating intentional discipleship with your kids where you listen to them, you tell stories, you play games, you play cards, you play, uh, you, you play sports with them. You, you hear their hearts, you share meals with them, you cook meals with them, where you're just really present to each other. You, you go out into the park and, and play and pray and, and be together um, where you're not distracted by the phone. Um, as a family, um, pray, with, pray with your senses, all of them, like because like, everybody's so different. And so we're all going to encounter God in different ways. And so reverence the fact that your kids might pray different than you as your husband might be different from you. And so um, incorporate many different ways of encountering God's word by, by reading scripture, by praying the rosary. So you're, you're touching the beads with your hand um, by lighting the incense or the candles, uh, by watching biblical movies and saint movies on, on the TV um, uh, screen, by listening to, to good podcasts uh, like, like, like Ask Father Josh <laughs> that are age appropriate. Um, and also listening to good music, both secular 
and and holy music, sacred music um, in the household. I think it's good for our kids to to, to be very cultured and to, and to be able to to recognize that that God is not just in sacred music, but that he his voice can be found in good music as well. Um, go as a family uh, occasionally, maybe like once a month or twice a month to serve the poor. Uh, if you have like a soup kitchen or a woman's shelter in your diocese, that could be very helpful or in your parish. Uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she grew up witnessing her mom invite the poorest of the poor into their home on a consistent basis. The poor were always reverenced in her mom's house. So it was her mother's witness of taking care of the poor and her service to the poor as a child that inspired her vocation to, to go out into the, the slums of Calcutta. And finally, protect your kids. Protect them from, from the screen. And when I say the screen, I mean from iPhone screens, from cell phone screens, from computer screens, and from TV screens. By having blocked websites, by having covenant eyes, by not allowing them to, to bring their phones into their rooms. Um, because I'm going to be honest with you. Like even the the most devout families, when they they let their kids have phones or computer screens that do not have blocks on them, that they don't know what their kids are looking at or watching, um, the devil will enter. The devil will come and and try to tempt them with with vices of of lust or with wrath by watching violent movies or playing violent video games or are looking at inappropriate pictures or watching inappropriate videos. Those things, like, like we, we lock the doors in our homes at night because we want to protect our kids. And uh, we should also like lock their screens because we want to protect our kids because the enemy will try to get to them through social media and through the Internet and our phones and screens. So like protect them and just don't let them have their phones while they're in their room. Like put the this TV screen, the computer screen in, in a very public place, because I can guarantee you um, no matter how good you are as a parent the enemy hates your kids and he's going to try to get to your kids through those screens so those are just some of my my tips and my advice uh but there's like we could do a whole book on this but liz hopefully that was helpful all right next question speaking of forming saints and becoming saints oh and also one, one more thing about saints and i think too just while we're talking about this like right now we are in the midst of a the election season right and I, I told my parishioners this this weekend typically we see the best in people during tragedies we see people go out of themselves like during floods or hurricanes or tornadoes or whatever fires whatever it may be we just see the best in the community where people empty themselves for the good of their neighbor in my experience as a priest we typically see the worst in people especially catholics and disciples of jesus christ during election season during election season uh, I I see people on social media and I hear people in conversations demonize Donald Trump and Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Mike Pence, uh, Kanye West. I think he's still running for, for office right now as well. These are human beings made in the image of God. They are not the devil. And God loves Donald Trump. And God loves Joe Biden. And God loves Kanye West. And God loves Mike Pence. And God loves Kamala Harris. God loves them with a Thomistic love. He desires their greatest good. He desires them to become saints. He desires for all of them to have renewed minds and hearts, for all of them to experience a conversion. He desires for all of them 
to embrace the fullness of the Catholic Church's teachings and abide in a relationship with him in the sacramental life of the Catholic Church. He desires for them to become saints. Uh, we've never had a, a president in the history of the United States of America who has been declared by the church as a servant of God, as a venerable, as a blessed, or as a saint. And so we, as members of the body of Jesus Christ, are called to put on the mind of Christ and desire what God desires for them, which is for their, all of them, and, and all of us, because we're all sinners too, me including, like, for all of us to have ongoing conversions and to come to Jesus. And so instead of like just demonizing them, like we can criticize their their political stances, and we can we can criticize the things that they that they say and that they do because we're called to judge actions. But let's not forget that we're also called to pray for all of them. We're called to fast for them, um, for them to have a conversion, for them to become saints. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if we could say we lived in in the same time as of history as a person who became a saint, right? As a person who was canonized a saint. Uh, John Paul was canonized a saint a few years after his death. Mother Teresa also, a few years after her death, was canonized. Wouldn't it be beautiful if if the person who becomes or is the president of the United States of America and the vice president, if they would totally surrender to Jesus Christ and the church he founded 2,000 years ago and embrace the church and, and become um, just, just disciples of Jesus in the most radical sense oh my gosh how beautiful would that be so um we are all in need of conversion so while i encourage us to be aware of their virtues and their vices and, and their good policies and their bad policies and their good practices and their bad practices and and to and to make others aware who may not know what their stances are um i i want to discourage us from um condemning them to hell and from demonizing them because God wants them to become saints and and we can pray and fast for that to happen. We can pray and fast for them to have just extreme conversions and and that that can be so beautiful. And so just yeah, keep that in mind. God wants all of us to become saints, you and I, but also those political leaders um in our nation. And I believe that it's possible for us to have a president and a vice president who live lives that are canonizable. And so I'm going to intentionally just so you know what i'm doing is i'm praying my rosaries for that intention for whoever is in office to have like a, a conversion like 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 saul and saint paul saul was a killer saul killed christians he persecuted christians he imprisoned christians men women and children and jesus wanted him to be in a relationship with him jesus saw this man who was a killer and he wanted him to be in relationship with Jesus. So Jesus went to him and he became St. Paul and he wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he's one of the greatest saints in the history of the church. And so if, if Paul can go through such a conversion to putting on the entire mind of Christ, then can we not believe the same as possible for the, the persons who are in the office of leadership in our country? I think it's possible. So uh, let's just be Christians whenever we talk about these people. And let's be disciples of Jesus Christ whenever we tweet about these people. And let's pray to have custody of the tongue and custody of the thumbs whenever we speak and write about these people. Um, because we are certainly called to fraternally correct them where they have erred and strayed away from the gospel. But that does not mean that we could ever be in a place to say that God does not love them and God does not desire them to, um, to have a conversion, ongoing conversion, 
because uh, I don't know how much of conversions they've had at this point in their life, uh, what kind of conversion they had this morning. <laughs> Maybe they had a radical conversion this morning. Who knows? But God wants them to, to become saints. And so we should want what God wants. So let's pray for that. Okay, speaking of saints. So to, to be a canonized saint, you got to die. So next question is about accepting death. This question comes in from Daniela. Daniela writes this, Hey, Father Josh, my name is Daniela, and I recently discovered your podcast. I am of Catholic religion, and before the pandemic hit, I was also an avid church goer. The current state of the world, and with so many deaths advertised more than ever before, has got me thinking a lot about death lately. I understand people die every day, but as I have aged, it is something I've been thinking and become more aware of since nobody really knows when their time will come. I once saw a show on television where a victim of a crime was telling the interviewer that he was not scared of what happened to him because he knew where he was going in reference to dying. And I thought that was so beautiful. And I desire to, to get that mind frame. I do believe in God and I believe in heaven after death. But my question is, how can a human being come to terms with death? How do I strengthen my relationship with God so I can feel secure and at peace? So uh, a few things, uh, Danielle, that's a great question. And it's a journey, right? It's, it's going to be a journey for all of us. But I think that it's um, it's inevitable. We all we all will die. <laughs> and uh, and what we can do to prepare ourselves for death is abide in relationship with Jesus Christ on earth, because he tells us that if we abide in him, we will remain in him. Nothing will separate us from his love, not even death. And it's an ongoing relationship. We can uh, like right now, I could tell you I'm I'm in a good place with Jesus. So if I had a heart attack, like right now, I'm I'm pretty solid, right? That I'm abiding in a relationship with God. But I cannot be certain that I will be abiding in a relationship with God two years from now because I could stop praying. I could get caught up in a, a bad relationship. I could give into vices that I choose sin over Jesus. Like who knows what could happen in a couple of years. And so it's a daily journey. It's a daily journey of saying yes to Jesus every single day. Whenever we wake up and when we go to bed every single day, choosing Jesus every single day. And when we fall, embracing him in the sacraments. First and foremost, the sacrament of baptism. That's the, the that's where salvation happens. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, St. Peter says to us that we are saved through the sacrament of baptism. Baptism is not just a symbol. Baptism is salvific, right? That's 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 the primary way that God um, saves us is through the sacrament of baptism. Read the early church fathers, read what they said about infant baptism. They were in support of it. This is the early church Christians. They, they baptized adults, men, women, children, and babies. Um, so it's not some new practice that the Catholic church made up to baptize babies. We baptize babies because baptism is salvific. Um, and then when we fall from grace after we're baptized, go to confession. So Practice confession maybe on a monthly basis. The church teaches that we're called to go to confession once a year, but I would propose go once a month or anytime you fall into a mortal sin and then receive the Eucharist as often as possible. Right? Worship God certainly every Sunday, but even um, if you can during the week as well. When we receive the Eucharist, Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. Find ways, creative ways to go out and serve the poor. Because of the pandemic, you might not be able to go to soup kitchens right now or food pantries. But you could donate to food pantries. You could donate diapers. Like we have the Full of Grace Cafe. We're always in need of diapers. We're always in need of canned goods so that we can be the hands and feet of Christ. Um, and you could participate in that by donating to those, those outreaches, by writing letters to prisoners and writing letters to people in nursing homes who are elderly and who are lonely, especially right now who aren't able to receive visitors because of the pandemic. Pray daily. Read scripture. Pray your rosary. Um, abide in relationship with God at your home if you can't go to church. 
um, experience the goodness of the Lord and just always dwell on heaven. Like we were created for heaven. Long, ask God to give you the grace to long for, for heaven. And if we keep our eyes on heaven, then we're going to typically make our choices based on that desire. So, um, yeah, that's what I think could, could be potentially helpful for you is to just abide daily, abide in God daily, abide in God in prayer, abide in God in the sacraments, abide in God in service uh, to your, your wider community. And if you abide in God on earth, then, then you will you will be able to remain in God in heaven. But we need to, it's a daily, it's a daily relationship. So we can never say like, I know when I die, I'm going to heaven because we don't know that. Like we really might fall away from Jesus Christ um, before we die. So that, that way, that, that mindset keeps us intentional with saying, I'm, I'm going to choose Jesus again today. And, and so today I know I'm, I'm in a good place, but like, uh, but I've got to keep choosing Jesus because anything can happen where I choose to turn away from Jesus. And so, or you choose that as well. So, because we're also fickle, we're so fickle. That is what I would say is just oof, abide, abide in God. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to dive into our final question about using the Lord's name in vain and swearing. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it, but what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back. A quick reminder, you can hit me up with your questions, comments, and critiques at AskFatherJosh at ascensionpress.com. You can rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. You can share us on your social media pages, and that will help other people to find out about the show if you want to keep walking with me toward eternity. You can uh, tune into my celebration of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass at Our Lady of the Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Santa Mar, Louisiana, in the Diocese of Baton Rouge um, on Ascension's Facebook page every Sunday at 7 o'clock a.m. Central, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. You can buy my books, Broken and Blessed, and Pocket Guide to Adoration, and you can just pray for me to be a saint. And please pray for vocation. I'm also the director of vocations for the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and so we um, need holy and healthy priests healthy and holy. That's my desire. So if you want to know how you can pray for me outside of me abiding in Jesus is uh, pray that I can walk with and accompany guys who are healthy and desire to be holy. And on to the final question from Taylor. Tay-Tay, what's up, Tay-Tay? Taylor writes this, Father Josh, I'm very sorry to hear you have been in pain lately. I'll be praying for you. Oh, thank you. Look, just glory story about that. Uh, yeah, thank you for your prayers. I The Lord has done a miracle. And so I forgot to tell you, that's my other glory story is because of your prayers, uh, something that like, whatever, whatever would have happened would have happened. Um, but my, my loved one who was sick is still sick, but not as sick. And so, uh, and I, I attribute that to your prayers. So again, prayer changes everything. So thank you for your prayers. I forgot to give that update. So I have a smile on my face right now as I'm recording this podcast. Uh, so Taylor, you say, I'm hoping you can help me answer the following question. Can you explain in depth 
the sin of saying the Lord's name in vain. What happens if it just slips out of your mouth or if it's out of complete frustration? Are, is saying swear words considered to be part of their, this sin as well? Thank you, Father Josh Taylor. All right, so let's start this response with the word of God, with the word of God. Ah, so good. So this is Jesus speaking to us. So you're about to, if, if you've ever wanted to hear God's voice, you're about to hear it right now. Anytime we read scripture out loud, we're listening to God speak to us. So in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, the Lord God said this, You shall not invoke the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave unpunished anyone who invokes his name in vain. Period. That's what God said. So let's stop and pause for a moment. This is a commandment from God. This statement from God is one of the Ten Commandments. There are only Ten Commandments. <laughs> God did not give us 100,000 commandments. He gave us Ten Commandments. So the fact that this is one of the Ten, and in fact, it's one of the first commandments in the Ten Commandments, means this is really, really important. This is a big deal. This means if we break this commandment from God, we have committed a grave sin. Grave sin is very serious sin. So what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? I think it means this. Anytime we say the Lord's name without meaning to say it is taking his name in vain. Jesus, he teaches us in the gospels that we're not supposed to pray vain, repetitious prayers. He does not say we're not called to pray repetitiously because he prayed repetitious prayers over and over again in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed the same prayer, not once or twice, but three times. Father, um, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. The angels who are in heaven, they pray repetitious prayers, holy, 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 over and over again in worship of God. King David, who wrote the Psalms, was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the Psalms. He wrote Psalms that were very repetitious. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, over and over and over again, the same words. So repetition's not bad, but Jesus tells us that praying repetitious prayers in vain is bad. That's where we aren't aware of who we're talking to or what we're talking about. We're just saying a bunch of words babbling on over and over and over again without intention and attention to who we're talking to or what we're talking about. To use God's name in vain is to use it at any time in any place without any intention or reason or meaning. And that's wrong. To use the name of God to make a false oath is a sin. To use the name of God in a demeaning way is also wrong. So what happens if the name of God slips out of my mouth without me meaning it um, or as an oath or as a curse word, but I didn't mean to, to, to do it, it just kind of happened? What? That's the whole commandment is I said his name in vain. I said his name without meaning to say his name. I wasn't intentional. I didn't have custody of my, my tongue. If I say Jesus Christ when I fall off of my bike, and you know what I mean, like you know the expression, how people might say it. If you get into a wreck or if you're, 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 you fall, whatever it might be, or if I say, oh my God, when someone proposes to me, or if I say the GD word, when I'm mad at my spouse or my kids or my parents or whoever it might be, or if I swear to God when trying to prove a point, I have committed a serious grave sin. 
and I need to go to confession. Catechism of the Catholic Church echoes this truth in paragraph 2146. It asserts, um, and it makes it very clear in this passage, that we are never to use God's name in a foul way. It, it even says that we're never used to names of God, Jesus Christ, and it also includes the Virgin Mary and all the, all the saints because they participate in the body of Christ. So to take the Lord's name in vain, it's always a grave sin. It's not always mortal, though. Remember, for mortal sin, for a sin to be mortal, you have to have three components the church teaches us. You have to have, it must be grave matter, which it is grave matter to, to take the Lord's name in vain. But not only must it be grave matter, you also have to know, you have to have knowledge of what you're doing, and you have to have the freedom to do it, right? And so if you don't know it's it's a sin, then it's not mortal, but it's still serious. It's still great, but it's not necessarily mortal. Um, or if you grew up in an environment and in a culture where it was the norm, where your parents said it, your siblings said it, your friends said it, and you you just were brought up saying it, and it's become what we call a vice, a bad habit, then, and you might have lost your freedom. But once you become aware and you actively try to fight against that, right, that's good. But say if you have that, that you've lost freedom just because the bad habit has been formed, um, then then I would say that it's still grave matter. It might not be mortal, though. Um, and so we need to be aware, though, of this. So now I've, I've done a podcast. So now you at least know it's grave. And you who are listening, you know, um, that we, you have knowledge and you know it's grave. So it's two of the three. But again, sometimes it takes years to overcome our vices. And so if if you were raised in an environment where it was just the norm, then that could that could make it not necessarily mortal because of your bad habit that's been formed from your environment. But now that you're aware, you are called to actively try to cultivate virtues to oppose that bad habit, to pray for custody of the tongue um, so that you will not say the Lord's name in vain anymore. So you should go to confession if you say the Lord's name in vain. Now, is saying a swear word also a sin? It depends. It could be sometimes, could not be at other times. Most words in and of themselves are not bad. Uh, most words, depending on the culture and environment that we grow up in, different words can mean different things to different people. For instance, in uh, the British English, the word fag means cigarette. That's what it means. It just means cigarette. We have people who listen to our podcast who speak in the, the British English language, right? However, here in the United States of America, that's a derogatory term. It's a curse word that is meant to like be negative toward um, people who experience same-sex attraction. And so, again, depending on where you're at, if you use that word over there, it's not offensive. If you use it over here, it's scandalous, right? So it, it again, it depends on the culture and on the environment. Father Mike Schmidt, he addressed this question on one of his podcasts a few years ago. And and he said this, and I, I'm just going to recount what he said because I, I agree with him. He said that a swear word could be considered a sin if we use it at somebody, at someone. If we take something holy and give it a derogatory name, for instance, like sex, sex is holy. Sex is meant for the sacrament of matrimony. Um, and anytime we take that holy action, that, that necessary action of sex, in order for a marriage to, to be a marriage, the couple has to consummate their marriage and have sex with each other. And in fact, couples, hashtag cool fun fact, every time a married couple has sex, they're renewing their vows. Um, so again, sex is sacred, it's holy, it's, it's a part of the sacrament of matrimony. So anytime we, we replace the word making love with the F word, that's, that's, that's not good either because we're taking something sacred and making it unholy. Um, and, and then finally, it, the third way is if we use 
a swear word um, in a place or in a space or environment where it can scandalize people, where it just it would not be appropriate. Um, there, there, there are some things that are appropriate in general, and there are some things that are not appropriate. Like, for instance, it is appropriate to slow dance at a wedding reception. It is inappropriate to slow dance in front of the tabernacle in a Catholic church. Uh, so there are places and spaces where certain actions are are okay and they're and they're good and there are other places where they're they're definitely not okay right to to take the action of slow dancing and to do it before the tabernacle would not be good but to do it in a dance hall would be beautiful and so the same thing can be applied with our language depending on who we're around and what the conversation is about and how we're using it and what's the context certain words could be permissible um, in certain environments and they could be scandalous and sinful in other environments so hopefully that was helpful. Uh, Taylor, let me know. All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's let's pray. And what I want to do for our prayer today is because we're again entering into the the political season, the election season. Um, I want to pray for our candidates uh, for the who are running for for president for the office of president and vice president of the United States of America. And so, what I want to do is I want to pray. The very last phrase or line in the litany of humility. All right. And we're going to pray that for at least the people who I'm aware of who are currently running for office. Um, And so this is how we do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, may Donald Trump become holier than me, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Jesus, may Joe Biden become holier than me. Provide that I become as holy as I should be. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Jesus, may Mike Pence become holier than me. Provide that I become as holy as I should be. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Jesus, may Kamala Harris become holier than me. Provide that I become as holy as I should be. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Jesus, may Kanye West become holier than me. Provide that I become as holy as I should be. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now notice what I just did, y'all. I did not endorse any political candidate. I did not say I think any of the five people who I'm aware of are running for office right now um, are, you know, whatever. I, I'm just praying for them to become saints. Because how beautiful would it be if we could have a saint in the office who holds the office as president of the United States and vice president. If they were like literally like just super holy and in line with all the Catholic Church's teachings and abided in the sacramental life of the church, I believe it's possible that any of any of the above could potentially, and I believe that they all have the capacity to be drawn by the Holy Spirit to totally surrender to Jesus and all of his teachings that he's given to his church. Um, and so let's just pray for that, that they become holier than us. Uh, provided that we become as holy as we ought to be. God bless. See you next week. 